1980, the Thornhill family spent a year living in the village of Kamakui in the country of Sierra Leone, West Africa. 40 years later, you now have the opportunity to re-experience our family adventure through the vast number of letters written during our time there. The letters and commentary are by the original authors, Joan and Harry Thornhill. Each episode is released 40 years to the day after a letter was written. Perhaps you will be inspired to travel and fully experience new cultural adventures in an effort to become a better world citizen. We now invite you to sit back, relax, and enjoy this next episode of Culture Experienced. This is the final conversation with Joan and Harry for the Culture Experienced Season 1 podcast with our adventure to living in Sierra Leone, uh, episode 75. So we finally made it. It's time to bring this whole thing to a conclusion. Um, We last left off. We were in Freetown. And uh, so this podcast will discuss essentially everything from June 29th till we come home, which I believe was July 3rd. We don't have, so we don't have a diary entry and we don't have a letter that explains this time period. Uh, We're going off of our recollection to what happened. And I understand you guys have some pretty good stories that occurred on those days. So how did we get home? We were at the beach house, which we have described as one of the most beautiful beaches in the world. We were just very, very fortunate to be able to be there. We did not have any formal plans on how we were going to get to the airport. We thought we were probably going to walk to town and hire two taxis to take us to the airport. The airport was located on the other side of the harbor, so it would mean driving into Freetown, then taking a ferry to the other side and bringing us to the airport. However, we were blessed again. And the reason we were blessed again was... Father Jim happened to show up at the beach house. And he was able to use the missionary truck, whatever vehicle he had. And he said he was going to take us to the airport, which we were just so surprised and just so happy. He stayed overnight with us. And he had said mass out on the balcony before we left. And uh, he took us to the airport. Now, mind you, when you think about all those duffel bags that we had, those army long, big packed to the gills duffel bags and uh, whatever else we had, taking us to uh, the ferry and coming over the ferry with us, he had a former student who worked at the airport. And we had no trouble getting our luggage through. Nothing was inspected because he had a friend. and Customs did not open anything any, that we had. And uh, got onto the big plane. And the plane went from Freetown to the country of Liberia to Roberts Field, which I had been to when I was in the Peace Corps. That's how I got into and out of the country there. That was really just a layover People joined the flight from that point, and I don't think they even refueled there because we then proceeded towards New York, 
but they did not have enough gas for planes in those days to make it all the way to New York. So we stopped in the Canary Islands at Las Palmas to refuel sometime in the middle of the night. I have no idea what time it was. And again, we're dealing with several different time zones from the time we left to the time we get to New York. And so we arrive in New York City about 5.30 a.m. on July 3rd. And again, we got through immigration customs. Bags were not checked at all. We also brought over packages from people in Sierra Leone to friends or family in New York. As a matter of fact, we brought over a big package of potato leaf for a friend who had a relative at John Jay College in New York City. We just don't know and what was in that package of we potato are leaf. We sure were, was potato, potato leaf. leaf. <laughs> Although I think the statute of limitations for importing something other than potato leaf probably has passed. We arrive home, I imagine, to our family. Was it in the morning or in the evening? 5 a.m. 5 a.m. at the airport. And it was Uncle Frank, your brother Frank, and Chris. His wife and maybe Chris, his son, maybe even Uncle Joe. I think our transportation was we were going from New York City to Greenport, New York, which is on Long Island at the eastern end. So the key here is that we really don't remember (laughs) after we arrived back. Well, I just remember going to a mall because I really needed underwear. My underpants were all pinned on me because of the way the wash was done in Sierra Leone. And your everything, if you had anything with the elastic in it, it dried out. And I just was begging, could I please go and get some underwear? And they let me. But of course, it was such a culture shock going into a mall and looking at everything in the mall. And it was like, where do I go? What do I? And I, that was the first time it was like, Wow, they have so much here. That and, was that was And you had also lost considerable amount of weight. Oh yes, I lost. I think we all did. We looked um, like we came out of a concentration camp. Yeah. I'll put up essentially the final photos that we have on arrival. Uh I re- you know, in With Greenport the there was a cake. We all look like we had been in Africa for a year. <laughs> And then on the way from there back home, stopping at Aunt Mary's and having a cake with the Romanos as well. And on the way home, we also stopped at the home of Bob Barad, who was a Peace Corps friend of ours. He had given us something to give to his parents, and we ended up staying overnight with them in Flemington, New Jersey, and both of his parents were medical doctors. So here's a important question, Dad. Did anybody give you letters to mail on their behalf? <laughs> or Because I had sent letters with other people. You had sent and described so many letters that were sent with other people's to mail on our behalf. I do not remember that happening, but part of it might be that it was at least a week from the time I left Kamakwe before we left. Now, I could be wrong, and maybe somebody gave me things to mail, and I'm sure we took care of it promptly because that's what I would have wanted them to do. 
but I do not recall. I do recall when we stopped at Aunt Mary's in Queens on the way home that we all went to Friendly's for ice cream. I could not finish the ice cream sundae. Which is a first in our lives. We got home to Glenville, and friends were in the yard to greet us. Right. This is where our journey ends. The story ends with regard to our initial trip. Let's quickly talk about any of the things that did happen with the folks that we met over there afterwards. I believe Mary Jean, we talked about that she was going to come during her holiday, come visit us. So did she come up? She did. She came and we went to see the movie Star Wars. I remember taking her to that and we brought her up to the up to Lake George and Lake Placid, all up the mountains. And I remember having, you know, day trips like that with her while she was here. We had a wonderful time. And we also took her to the airport. Yeah, we took her to the airport. Did we meet with anybody else in the years after our trip? Well, I remember when Penny Cook, she was one of the nurses over there. She was a UK nurse over there. And she had been in this country for a while, and we greeted her at JFK when she was going back to the UK. And the Barkers lived in Michigan, and we went cross-country in the summer of 1983, so three years later, and we stopped and stayed overnight with them on our way back in Mm -hmm. August of 1983. As well as, um, I think, went out west we picked up stuff that the Shays had brought. We, they were in a drum. We had the Balangi and all the big artifacts that we bought. We put in a drum with missionary stuff. Isla Shay was one of the missionary nurses at the hospital that we had become quite close to. She had drawn several pictures. She's really a very good artist, which she gave to us. And some of the artifacts and things that we had were sent home with her in one of the drums. So that, again, was just a couple years later that Mm -hmm. by the time we actually picked them up. Some of the benefit of taking this trip beyond the sabbatical was you getting a master's from University of Albany, a second master's. How did you finish that out? Okay, I was expected to do some sort of academic work on my sabbatical, and I literally wrote a one-page, single-spaced outline of experiences we had had, things I had done, and I ended up getting 13 hours of graduate credit. Now, I had several credits from San Francisco State, from my Peace Corps training. And I also had had student teachers where I had taken some courses at Albany for free because I had the student teachers. So I had several courses kind of just floating around, not leading towards anything. I investigated on what it would mean to turn those into a second master's degree And it really meant I had to take three classes. So I decided that would be worth it. I would be getting a pay raise and that would wrap into my retirement. So it would go on forever. So I did do that. What did we do as a family to talk about our experience 
in our community when we got back. We were invited to places to give a talk. I remember one of the first places was a Grange over in Clifton Park. And as a family, we did a presentation with a slide. We had our slides put together. We did do different presentations for different groups who invited Things like us. like Rotary groups, yeah. uh, Return Peace Corps volunteer group. I use my slides in my classes. I taught African-Asian culture studies, so I was using them every year in my classroom. But also, with you being in your classes, we did things in your classes at school. And there were not just the Grange, but there were other presentations that we did with you involved because you, I'm not sure your kids always wanted to do it, but you did. You know, we use this experience quite a bit. I asked these questions of both Mark and Kyle, so I'll ask you individually. So, Mom, what would be your favorite memory of Kamakwe? One of my favorite memories is having our party at the end, and we had all the children eating on the floor, and our gathering with our national friends. That was, we just felt kind of grateful and very happy that we were able to be there with them. I really enjoyed being with the people. Uh, you know, and I, I have to tell you too, I, I really enjoyed our Christmas because it was so different and you kids were so phenomenal. You had not been to Africa before. How do you think this experience has changed your life or has this experience changed your perspective on life? Absolutely. I came out of that experience knowing and feeling like I could do anything. I just felt like I knew I could be independent. I could be, I could do anything I really wanted to do. And I didn't have to worry about the negatives in doing something. You just go ahead and you do it and you learn from your experiences. All right, Dad, some, same question for you. What would be your favorite memory of Comiquee? This may seem very strange with all of my letters and all of the frustration about the school, but I think the having the contact with the African students would have been right near the top of my favorite experiences. The kids were really wonderful. They had nothing in terms of material things, but they tried very, very hard. And many of them, you know, wanted to succeed. They knew that education was their ticket to a better life. And I just enjoyed working with the kids a great deal. All right. And you had been to Africa and spent a couple of years in the Peace Corps. You were the originator of this whole trip. My first midlife crisis. All right. So we're wrapping it kind of back around. And actually this morning I listened to the first episode just to try to bring some perspective into that's the beginning, this is the end. And it was really your dream to bring the family to Africa to kind of experience the culture and some of what you had experienced in Liberia. Would you say it was a success? Would you say that your dream was fulfilled? 
I think it was beyond my wildest dreams, a success. Uh, you kids, behavior was wonderful. You were respectful to everyone and you mingled with the people, which is what we wanted. We wanted you to experience a true African culture, become friends with their children. And you did all of that. And we were just so incredibly proud. And I think that fact that it worked so well, I mean, as you know, mom and I have been involved with a school in Ghana since 2004. And I don't know as we would have done that if we thought that this first experience had not gone well. Just some historical items. So in the last 40 years, Sierra Leone has gone through a civil war and Kamakwe was definitely in the area where that had occurred. Uh, if anybody sees the movie Blood Diamonds, that was very much about Sierra Leone and that region, not just Sierra Leone, but, but the broader region. Uh, so that will give you some good perspective on what, even though that's a fictional movie, but it's, it's based, based on fact. Yeah, based on, on fact. So that occurred in that area. Also, they've gone through several bouts of Ebola because uh, it's, it's in that, again, that area, which as we've subsequently learned through making contact with other folks, has left many orphans there, whose parents died of Ebola. And there, so there are several nonprofits out there that support those orphans and the people of that region who still go through incredible struggles. It's quite interesting. We're 40 years on, but the, the change has certainly not occurred for the better for the better or as quickly over there as it has for much of the rest of the world. So I have not given my perspective about, you know, my favorite thoughts or favorite memories and I think it's it's realistic to say that coming back I was probably the one who said I would never return. Because I was sick and part of it was, you know, coming home with typhoid, you know, what's the last thing I'm going to remember is I was sick. But I also think from a life perspective, a life standpoint, this has definitely shaped my life and how I view the world, not unlike how Kyle and Mark indicated that uh, we don't take things necessarily for granted and we appreciate what we have. And I think it is certainly within us um, and just how we're brought up, but um, we care for people. And, and I think other people coming out of Sierra Leone, you could see how genuinely friendly and nice you could see the humanity in these people who have nothing. So you don't have to have money to be nice. And to have a, a, a positive view on humanity. And I think they find happiness with significantly less than what we have. So we don't, so I don't really look to find happiness in material things. I look to find happiness in experiences. I think the fact that you brought your son to Ghana 
so that he would have a bit of the experience you had speaks volumes to me as to what that experience had meant to you initially, that you wanted Ryan to have some of that. Yeah, and that was important to pass down some of that experience. And whoever knows me knows that I love travel and I love experiencing cultures, not unlike you guys. I get that from you. So I think a lot of that was born out of our experience living there, regardless of staying back a grade. I mean, there were some some negatives, but I look at that as had that not happened, I would not have met my wife. So uh, I am fortunate grateful. <laughs> and grateful mm-hmm. that in 26 years. So we're <laughs> but one of the things I think we I've learned, too, is that it's the it's the relationships that you've built with people and people of another culture. And we've gained a much better understanding of how important it is to to be kind and compassionate and friendly and caring for people. I just I think that 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 relationship is very important. It's the friends that we've made. In wrapping this up, there are a few people to thank. Thank Kathleen Martin. She wrote the book Finding Peace, Love and Injustice in Sierra Leone, which is about her time in Kamakwe, and she helped us make contact with Yamari, who is still alive, and so we are now in communication with Kathleen and and with her, so we very much appreciate her in doing that. We want to thank Heather Telecki, which is Geza Telecki's wife. We had made contact with her with some some photos that we had, and she then got us in contact with an organization that is still over in Comic well, over in Sierra Leone, just to the north of Sierra Leone, that is helping to build a, a wildlife refuge and support the wildlife there. And the name of that is uh, Panveras, P-A-N-V-E-R-U-S. So you can go to P-A-N-V-E-R-U-S dot org and learn more about what that organization is doing to help out wildlife and provide jobs to nationals, the the folks that still live in Sierra Leone, just north of Kamakwe. I guess a 40-year late, but... We thank the Wesleyans for That's allowing us to stay on their compound in that house and, you know, live amongst them on their hospital com- compound and, and experience their culture mm-hmm. and what they do from a missionary standpoint. I think we, we were able to get some of that. The Catholic missionaries that, you know, helped us transportation-wise and also you know, the priests that were saying mass and we were involved with. Right. And finally, all the community of Kamakwe mm-hmm. and the greater Sierra Leone for letting us be a part of your culture for that year. You know, I think mission accomplished for, <laughs> you know, what certainly, Dad, what you were trying to get us to appreciate and, and to learn about that culture. And I want to thank you guys. Oh, I think this has been a, a really good legacy project. Even if I thought it was a little crazy. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's 
75 episodes of me sitting here and talking with you guys and reminiscing <laughs> over our uh, all, over all the letters. You know, it's for our kids and for their kids and mm-hmm. and to understand the life that we had for that year. Mm-hmm. It's a long time ago, but I think it's something to be proud of, you know, as part of their heritage. And thank the listeners, you know, whoever that may be, for hanging in there for 75 episodes in, in season one of Culture Experienced, which may or may not be the only season of this podcast. But thank you guys for sitting and doing this. Well, thank you very much, Ross, you, for Ross. organizing all of this, editing all of this. You put in a great deal of time and effort, and I really appreciate it. That concludes season one. So um, like I say in the beginning, perhaps you will be inspired to travel and fully experience new cultural adventures in an effort to become a better world citizen. So with that, thank you for listening and safe travels.